there's absolutely no way in a million years I would be on telly if I hadn't have done that apprenticeship at Black & Decker. No way. When I first started and I told a lot of my friends that I'm going to do a plumbing apprenticeship, it was sort of the case of why would you want to do that? You're just going to be unblocking toilets and that kind of thing. I think the, the idea of it is wrong. I think people don't actually know what it is. What I can, I think, say safely for someone who's done an apprenticeship in the British Army is that they also get those life skills. We need skills and learning for everybody. And if you just look at those school leavers and say, not everybody wants to go to university, uh, so we should have more apprenticeships. Actually, at school, engineering was just as much for girls as it was for boys. I think I learned so much more at work than I do at university. Um, so I'm in my third year of my degree, and I can honestly say that you will never match the kind of learning on the job aspect. Welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the Home Surf Foundation. I'm Georgie Frost, and coming up, it's that time of year again. A-level results are out, GCSE results following, cue images of students jumping in the air across the news outlets, but it's what happens next that really matters. Big decisions, of course, to be made. And this year, we've seen a record number of A-level students apply to go to university, but one of Britain's most prominent education leaders says too many are choosing that path, and it might not be the right one for them. So what are the options? Where can you go for advice on your next move? And could an apprenticeship be for you? Well, who better to ask than Minister for Apprenticeships and Skills, Gillian Keegan? Welcome back, Gillian. Now, we know, because we discussed this with you last time when you joined us on All About Apprenticeships, um, that you chose an apprenticeship. How do you think that decision has changed for school and college leavers now? Well, I think there's a lot more options um, than, than there were when I was uh, leaving school. So I know today there's 625 um, apprenticeship routes all into many different careers from accountancy, engineering, um, law, uh, nursing, policing, space engineering. I mean, pretty much any career, broadcast what you're doing now, pretty much any career um, in any sector you can you can get to now uh, via an apprenticeship. So I don't think there was many options, as many choices uh, when I left school, uh, but there was enough. I still found a really good one and it, it became a degree apprenticeship. So, um, it, yeah, I would still uh, I'd still choose that option today. It was a fantastic option. I, I don't regret it for a minute. Well, I imagine you don't, but I'm just wondering with all of that choice, what new considerations would perhaps be going through your head, even though you'd come perhaps to the same conclusion, what other factors would you be considering now that perhaps you didn't, didn't back then? I think what would probably be going through my head is how the world of work is changing and how quickly it's changing. And what I find, and I speak to a lot of young people, I speak to a lot of young people who've done uh, degrees um, and sometimes they'll do an apprenticeship after they've done their degree as well. And what often strikes me is they're making a huge decision what to study, which is about a 40 or 50,000 pounds decision at the age of 18 with very little experience. Um, and I think the world of work moves so quickly that one thing I really appreciated and I think is an advantage to an apprenticeship, particularly a degree apprenticeship, is the company helps you choose what is really valuable to study for the future work uh, environment um, so that you make sure that you, whatever you study, it, it really is valuable in the workplace. And it's quite complex now trying to navigate your way through all that. There's so much choice. And, and yet we do know that 34% of young people who graduate uh, find it very difficult to get a graduate job afterwards because not always have they studied something that's that valuable in the workplace. 
It's interesting you mentioned there that people do apprenticeships after going to university. So it doesn't have to be an either or choice, does it? It doesn't. Um, I think that's a relatively new thing. It used to be you went down one path or the other. Uh, but I think around about 10 or 15 percent of apprentices are doing a level four or level five in many different things. So cybersecurity, HR, uh, lots of different um, professional areas um, that businesses uh, will still have skill shortages in. And it may be different from what they studied at degree. So they choose this to uh, to get the skills that are valuable in the workplace. So, yeah, it's not it's not closed at any time. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of those young people do say to me, actually, nobody told me at the time I could have done this in a different way. No one told me I could have perhaps got on this route earlier and possibly uh, saved all that debt. Uh, so, so I think that's the most important thing, making sure that young people have the choice and have enough uh, knowledge of all the options available to them. Well, now's your opportunity to say it in a different way. What would you say to an 18-year-old who's just left college or a 16-year-old school leaver who's just not sure what to do next? And I think importantly as well, their parents. Ask lots of questions. Update yourself on all the things that are available now, because I think this has happened in the last probably five, six, seven years. There's been a massive change in the quality of technical education, the quality of our apprenticeship system. We've designed it with nearly 3000 employers uh, all across the country. Every different employer really has worked on on making sure that these are really uh, the standards that they want. So I think the biggest message would be get yourself updated. It's changed, particularly to parents. It's changed since you were at school. It's changed since you left school. And there's so many more options. And they even go up to master's degree levels now. So, um, yeah, find out. Go and find an apprenticeship. Um, gov.uk and you'll find a lot of details and a lot of information there uh, about what's available now. Julie, I have to ask you, there were some interesting comments earlier in the week from the founder of the Sutton Trust, splashed across the Telegraph front page, saying that too many teenagers were going to university and that the number of school leavers seeking university places was, quote, a massive problem. Where do you think he was coming from there? And do you agree? Well, it seems to have grown a lot in the last few years it has gone up I mean every year it goes up and up Um, and it's also that that massive rise has probably also coincided with um, you know the fees being at 9,000 plus uh, per per pupil Um, I think probably what he would look at is the outcomes if you look at the outcome data and you see and this may be where he's coming from 34% of graduates not in graduate jobs five years after graduating, that is what's worrying. So really what we want to do is make sure that everybody who goes down that route, first of all, they they really appreciate it. They get a lot of value. It's a lot of money they spend. They must get that value back. It must be something that they always think was worth it. It always got them their start in life. It got them their next job. It got them into their career uh, of their dreams. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think maybe for too many people, that isn't the case. It seems like we've been having this argument, though, for quite some time. This wasn't an absolutely innovative concept that was, uh, as I said, mentioned across the Telegraph. I I remember this being, you know, when Tony Blair made the the idea that we'd have 50 percent of young people going to university and the same old arguments were there going to have Mickey Mouse degrees and David Beckham degrees and all that sort of thing. How much has things really changed in that? It seems the same old argument cropping up again. 
I think what hasn't changed enough is careers and really great careers advice and opportunities in school. And that's why uh, as part of, we've got a huge focus in government on technical education, on vocational education, and also on uh, re re revitalizing our further education sector. And a lot of that is really uh, also, uh, I, I, well, acknowledging that we don't do enough in terms of careers and we need to build uh, a stronger uh, careers offer for both young people, but also for adults. You know, there's also adults that are getting displaced from their jobs later on in life. Perhaps they're doing something and the, you know, the skills changed or it's perhaps it's uh, it's it's going to be outdated because of our net zero focus. There's a lot of changes that are happening. Uh, so we also want to give adults the opportunity to get a second career. They may not have ever had that first shot, particularly if they left school and didn't get the, the same opportunities people get today. So we also want to make sure that they they get the careers advice, they can switch careers and they can also get the training and skills training at any point. And, and really what we're trying to do is change the mentality. This isn't just a decision you make at 18. It's, mm. it's an option you can have at any time in your life because things change in your working life. And, you know, most of us are going to be working for quite a long time. Absolutely. We'll be working longer. Uh, the piece in the Telegraph also quotes a source saying that the government is looking for a, quote, bit of a turning point in the way that degree apprenticeships are viewed. What do we need to achieve that turning point? I think availability actually would be a really uh, important part of it and broad availability around the country in many different sectors. So, you know, we do have something like 10,000 um, vacancies on the Find an Apprenticeship service right now but finding the one you want close to where you are at the right level is still something that we're they're working on to make sure that we have enough options available most people when they understand a degree apprenticeship want to do one most people think well what's not to like about that they pay me and they pay my degree and I work plus I also get some time off normally it'll be block release or day release to go and do your degree and of course um, you get further ahead because you start years before um, while somebody sat in a classroom. So a lot of people are very attracted to degree apprenticeships, but finding one as well, um, you know, in an area that they're interested in, in their location is something that perhaps is not broadly enough available. So we're working with lots and lots of companies who more and more now are offering these high quality apprenticeships, not just degree, but also level four and five. Those ones that are really valuable in the workplace and quite often they'll out earn graduates yeah. even at level four and five. Gillian I want to ask you because I mentioned at the start there of course A-level results GCSE results out you know there's there was huge controversy last summer of course the algorithms used to determine the A-level results in particular criticised and then naturally we get it every year don't we you know A-level results inflation and it's gone up this year um, you know and I want to say before I say anything is well done to anyone who's got their A-level results I remember going through it it's a horrible time and congratulations to you whatever you've done um, but what has changed this this year just explain where we're at this year because it has elicited equal amounts of controversy over whether these are the right results and whether these are going to set up young people for the future that they deserve. Well, I think the first thing to acknowledge is we have had the biggest disruption in our education system since the Second World War. None of us went through that. You didn't. I didn't. You know, we didn't have anything like young people have had to face in the last couple of years. Um, and they've done amazing. And so have the teachers who've had to basically change everything, how they do things. We've had to make sure people have access to technology. Obviously, all the teachers have had to be trained in terms of using technology. It's been astonishing, really, how quickly they've adapted. And we 
we've always said, you know, exams are definitely the best way. But when you've had the amount of disruption and it wasn't equal across the country, you know, some areas were in tighter lockdowns and there was no way we could have put exams on and they would have been fair. So in the absence of that, then what you've got to do is you've got to basically um, use the people who know young people best, and that's their teachers. Now, what we did last year is obviously we had the teacher assess grades, and then we used the algorithm to try and standardize so that you know it was more similar to different years. But that created um, unfairness and some you know really strange results because clearly um, it's it's a computer program as opposed to people who really know uh, the, the the young people. So what we've done this year is we've gone with the teacher assess grades. Um, the, they've had to be evident, so they've had you know all kinds of different work that they've had to do to show that. So they have worked hard for them. It's just they haven't been able to sit the exams. And of course, the teachers have 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 put in those predicted grades. Um, and there has been some um, grade inflation, of course. And I think that 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 often happens in terms of predicted grades versus uh, actual grades. But after the year they've had, honestly, yeah. I think most people around the country wish them the very best. They're all progressing onto their next stage, whether that's going to university, whether that's going to do an apprenticeship uh, or even a gap year. They could even do a gap year, uh, uh, hopefully now with travel coming back. But, you know, they've had they've had an incredibly difficult time. And uh, I, for one, would not take uh, any of their uh, hard work or efforts away from them. They deserve their results. And, uh, yeah, there'll always be this generation that had to adapt unlike any of us. Yeah, Gillian, I couldn't agree with you more there. I think congratulations, well done to everybody who got through the last sort of year, the couple of years, academic years, and, and the teachers involved. Um, I do want to ask before I let you go um, about the fund that's been announced this week to support flexible apprenticeships. Why are flexible apprenticeships so important? Well, what we found, and I actually had um, a call uh, from Barbara Broccoli and David Putnam. They're probably names you've heard of. They're both uh, film producers um, and they, they put a call in diary and said, we're struggling to get apprenticeships because the way the film and media industry works is people work on project basis. They'll work on a film for a period of time. They're not normally employed full time by one employer. So uh, and they said this is the same for construction and sometimes for agriculture as well, where you actually move from project to project and it isn't always a year. So they basically said, we need some help to access apprenticeships. We want to take on apprentices. We want to access that diverse talent all across the country. But the way they work, which is they had to have one year at least and 20% off the job was difficult. So the flexi apprenticeships is where you can work across a number of different projects and you're employed by an umbrella company. So it's really to allow um, the creative industries and the construction industry um, and the agricultural industry to access apprentices. And so we've worked with those sectors to overcome those difficulties. And it was quite fascinating, actually, when they were talking to me, they said, we've got 30,000 um, sh skill shortages in the creative industries. And if we don't sort this out, you know, it could be that in future generations, we may not have things like the James Bond films made here. Mm -hmm. And that seemed like a call to action that uh, we need to respond to. So, uh, yeah, so we're delighted. And we've responded to that. And yeah, it looks like it's the right, uh, the right approach. And what it'll do is give young people the opportunity to get into really exciting careers and, and uh, hopefully all across the country. It does indeed. Creative industries have had a a bit of a torrid time of it of late and actually seems quite a lot of investment in that area so very good news oh, james bond fan so 
pleased with that. Yeah. Uh, next month, Gillian, September the 30th, sees the end of the government incentive schemes. Now, just want to ask you, uh, any plans to extend it? And if so, uh, the plans to increase perhaps the amount on offer? Um, I don't think there's any plans at this moment. I mean, obviously, everything's always kept under review, but these things are deliberately time limited to create the incentive. So to force that decision, really, to encourage people to take on an apprentice now as opposed to waiting six months or something. So they're deliberately time for that. But of course, what you also have going on is the kickstart scheme. Um, That's where the government pays the wages for six months up to 25 hours a week for a young person. And that one is going on until December. Um, So we're looking very much hopefully that those Kickstarters also can go on to an apprenticeship afterwards as well if they need to continue training. So hopefully there's enough uh, various schemes uh, to encourage employers to take on young people at this point. And finally, Gillian, I appreciate this is a very busy week for you, as most weeks are probably very busy for you. But we've spoken a lot on this podcast about the levy. Now, there are plans to introduce an online service uh, to make it easier for larger firms to transfer their unused levy. Could you give us an update on that one? Uh, actually, it's in, in beta. So uh, a couple of, of uh, companies are pilot, piloting it this month and it will be fully available to everybody uh, from September. And that's really going to make it much easier for larger companies to transfer levy so that a lot more smaller businesses will be able to access the uh, the apprenticeship levy to pay for training for young people. They've been calling for it for a while. It took us a while to, uh, to get the IT done, uh, but we're very much looking forward to that and hope it will make a massive difference to small and medium-sized companies and their ability to access uh, and provide fantastic apprenticeship opportunities as well. Well, I hope you'll keep us updated on that when the time comes. I mean, you said previously that the levy should only be used on apprenticeships, but what about being used to pay for apprentices' wages? I mean, if if being able to pay an apprentice's salary is a barrier to, to SMEs, wouldn't that be a simple and sensible change to make? Well, that's really where the kickstart scheme comes in. So the kickstart scheme is that scheme, which is uh, paying people's wages for six months, um, uh, up to 25 hours. Plus, of course, for apprenticeships, there's been a £3,000 incentive, which can be used however however it's going to make it easier, really, for uh, an employer to offer that opportunity. So I think there's a number of schemes uh, in place, but uh, it's not usually a good idea for government to pay people's salaries. I mean, usually that is the job of business. Uh, I've worked in business for 30 years. I don't think anyone ever paid mine or anyone else's salary uh, during that time. So I think, uh, you know, that is the usual and that's what businesses are uh, indeed used to. Gillian, thank you so much, Minister for Apprenticeships and Skills, Gillian Keegan. And thank you for listening to this episode of All About Apprenticeships. If you want to get in touch to have your say on anything we've been talking about today, you can find the HomeServe Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag All About Apprenticeships. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and hit subscribe. It helps other people find us. Hold up. 